You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Of course, where you're listening, it may not be morning, but it is here in the studio. So uh, I say uh, a a great good morning to you. Today, I'm going to take a little bit of a detour from some of the normal topics we uh, get into. We're going to talk a little bit about course creation. And uh, my guest is an expert in that area. Her name is Nancy Gear. Uh, Nancy, good morning and uh, hello. And I'm going to be stuck on good morning, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Well, it's morning for me, so that's perfect. <laughs> Very glad to be with you this this morning. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We're going to beat it to death, and then it'll. That's go right. Away. It's not going to stop. I'm going to be saying good morning all day. <laughs> yeah. So, as is a bit of a tradition here on this show, tell folks kind of your journey to get to where you are today and what inspired you to do what you do. All right. Well, I'd be very happy to do that. Uh, Back very early in my career, my boss asked me to create a training program, and I'd never done anything like that before. But he said, you know, you're a great communicator, and I really need, need you to do this. Okay. So... I just went forward and I built it out and I really didn't know what I was doing. And I think it turned out okay, but I I got to really enjoy it and I wanted to pursue it as a career. And two jobs later, I applied for an ad in the newspapers. That's how long ago this was, because that's still how you got a job. I happened on a company that, that created all kinds of training. And that time, the distribution was mostly on discs. This is, again, we're going back in time here. And while I was there, I learned a whole methodology called instructional design. And I had no idea that there was like a whole profession of training and that it was a whole course of study. And I had a manager that uh, reviewed my work. Everything I did told me, how can we make it better? Had a quality assurance manager who reviewed everything. And they brought in a graduate degree program. So on our lunch hour, we're studying we're having our work evaluated fairly consistently. It was like really uh, an apprenticeship program, wow. which really just set me off on a on a huge trajectory because I was really not that many people have an opportunity to get the degree of feedback that I was getting every single day. Sure, and be looking at it from the broader um, educational context as well. And that just you know set me on my career. And from that experience, every job that I've held all the way up to being a director of training, I've always enjoyed the opportunity to coach, guide, mentor other people because of that just terrific opportunity that I had early in my career. And I didn't know how lucky I was until I looked back on it years later and went, you know, not everybody gets to do something like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I share some of that longevity in the workplace and I can think back (laughs) to uh, my corporate days and the way they administered training to us was to make everybody take huge chunks of time out of their day and week and go to a conference room and you sit at tables. And it was classic classroom type mm-hmm. instruction. And I think the the people that were administering those then, and I can, I can remember several of the individuals that they too had been trained in good ways to develop these programs. But nonetheless, it was painful to sit there. And if 
whatever your own school boy, <laughs> school girl experience had been, you know, it, it, it brought all that back one way or another. <laughs> the class and my, clown. <laughs> my, my, my point is it was not hard for me to see the rise in popularity of these self-paced computer-based training initiatives. And by all accounts, and, and our organization was fortunate to have, you know, bought in on the early stages of that. And I can recall coworkers saying it's so much better to do it this way. I get more out of it. I do it in my own pace, my own time. Exactly. Uh, the instructor's available if you've got questions, but it, it was a it was a real <clears throat> shift in the way things were being done. Yes, and you know, and I think it's interesting because of the the rise in people wanting to create courses now in an in an online format. And people forget it's been around for a long time. Right. It's just become um, easier for more people to get in the game because of the tools that are available. You know, now, having said that, just because you have the tools doesn't mean you can create something wonderful because there is a process and a way to think about how am I going to get people from where they are to where I want them to be. There's right. that, that's, I think there's a little bit of magic <laughs> that goes on in that part of it. Right. So, so for the business you're in now, talk to us about your target client, you know, who, who engages you to, to help with the development of these programs? I've got um, two different groups of people that I, I, I work with um, in a different way. The, the first group is the, the corporate side of the business, mostly smaller uh, businesses, a large organization, they've got a whole you know army of people to create training. And it's really that group of people that they, they know that they've got projects that they want to get done, but they're not necessarily ready to hire on a full-time chief learning officer or, or, or staff or staff, but they want to get the work done. So that that's one avenue that I go down and I do. Um, and that's a done for you type of a service where I go in, I get all the information work with my team to get everything built out. The other group is more the entrepreneurial crowd, the authors, speakers, coaches that want to get their message out into the world. They want to build out a course, and but they want me to guide them through the process. So that's like a done with you service. So they, I guess the difference is who's doing the heavy lifting in the two, right. in the two options. Right. There, there's a burning question in my mind, so I'm going to just get it out there and be done with it, and we'll move on. And that okay. is, <laughs> uh, because I'm in the coach advisor space, obviously I get approached many, many times throughout the year about people wanting to help me do this and, and build these things. But somewhere in in the internet sphere of knowledge, there's a there's some statistics about people, the percentage of people that buy these courses and then never do anything with them, never finish. Yeah. Um, I guess my first question is, I think as a provider of that, I, I, that would make me very sad. I would want to have a quality product that people wanted to actually engage with. So, so how does one go about protecting that and, and making it happen? I mean, help uh, create the completion and conversion rate. And the completion rates are, are, are dismal at best. And one of the reasons that I think it's a problem is most of the courses that people are putting out, it's watch a video, do a worksheet, watch a video, do a worksheet. 
and the videos are long, oftentimes the video is just an extraction from a webinar. So it's not as tight and crisp and short and as clear as it could be. And, you know, that, that was fine when the world changed and everybody was, oh my God, we're locked down. What do I do now? But the market is becoming more discerning. And so oftentimes people will fade because frankly, they just, they get bored. It's taking too long to get to the point. You know, what back, you know, earlier in our careers, you know, as you said, training was a full day. It was a full week. Well, now people want to really kind of get to the essence of what they need in, a, in less than an hour. You know, we're in the age of TikTok and uh, <clears throat> reels and all these very short messages. And it's, it's interesting because when you step back, you can get quite a bit across in a short period of time if you really are clear and you focus on, okay, what is it that people really need to know to get from point to point? So, so really what we can do is just do the best we can to produce the best product possible and keep it interesting so that people will come back. You know, I feel like sometimes where we are with online courses, it's like how many business books are on your shelf that you haven't opened up or you haven't mm -hmm. finished? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm guilty. I've got a stack over here of <laughs> books that <laughs> um, have been coming my way, recommended by others. And, um, you know, God love my podcast guests. About every third podcast guest has a book they'll send me, and which I I love collecting. But that's what I'm doing is collecting. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm working my way through the read, and it uh, you know it it takes a while. So, um, but back to the course thing. I again as a as a provider, I'm going to talk mm -hmm. about the provider side first. I think at least everybody that I know that wants to do something like this, they are committed to delivering a quality message, yes. a quality conversion. You know, if you're coaching, you want to see your clients succeed and, and hit that next level and find that next set of awareness or, or uh, achievement that they're looking for. So, we would want those courses to be able to address all of that. So where do you start creating a course that can do that? The very first place to start is to be really clear on who you serve. I think if some of the early parts of doing course creation, it's not unlike thinking about, uh, it's like any other service that you want to sell. Who's your target audience? What do they need? What is the problem that you're going to solve and what makes you unique? Well, how are you different from other people, perhaps in the same space? Everything starts to me with that point of really focusing on who it is that you want to serve. That's the first, that's the first part. And to think about, you know, how can you, how can you niche it down? So for example, I worked on a sales training program for someone last year. And he works in the luxury home building space. So all of the examples are tied to what somebody selling luxury homes needs. What, what types of situations do they encounter? You know, it's the sales process, which is, I mean, pretty much sales is sales is sales is sales. But where you make it unique is who am I selling to? What's their problem? How am I going, and how am I going to help them? How am I going to be of service to them? So that's the first part is to really look at, make something so that when your audience is going through it, they're going to go, yeah, that's me. 
that's your, your, you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the first part. And then the second part is to just look across, well, what, what content do you, do you have? What have you already got created that you can repurpose? And what is something new that you're going to have to build out from scratch and to really look at how your content aligns with that need that you're trying to address? Yeah. It, it, it's interesting you bring that up. And, and part of what prompted for me as you were <laughs> describing that is in my own space as an coach and advisor to small business, and I do executive coaching to those corporate guys. So I've got that two-part yeah. segmentation <laughs> that you have. Uh, and, and I think the critical difference is in, in the case of advising small business, small business is not about big business on a small scale. It's it's a whole different ball game, and I mm -hmm. think there are sadly there are way too many people out there that have hung up a shingle and said, "I'm a coach, I'm a business advisor, I you know I'm a business accelerator," it's a popular word now. But what they are is a corporate guy turned entrepreneur turned business coach for the mm -hmm. for the small guy, and. If, if they're trying to apply, you know, corporate planning and strategy and accounting and finance and all that to a small business at a very rudimentary level, yes, accounting is accounting. But when you apply and think about all those other principles, it's not an apples and apples conversion. And I think that's where a lot of small business people have gotten burned because they hired one of these coaches because he had a pedigree from a Fortune 500 company and somehow that was going to transfer. And my point in all that is I, I believe and I've seen it, some of the training materials that come out in, in those situations are all oriented. They might as well be having an audience at a fortune 500 company <laughs> and not a group of entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's really not taking the time to really zero in on who, you, who you're working with. I mean, that, that to me is like, it's just, it's the fundamental. I mean, I like that it, that part of the title of your podcast is common sense. Cause I do yeah. think a lot yeah. of what I do is common sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it is an uncommon commodity these days. And, uh, um, <laughs> uh, and it's it, hard to teach. It, it's <laughs> hard to teach. And I get challenged about that all, all the time. I, I've, I've told the story a number of years ago. I engaged a marketing company to help me with my business. And I had already registered that tagline, leadership powered by common sense. First thing the marketing people said is, oh, I hate that. that that's going to turn off so many people. You've, you've, you've got to get rid of that. You're, you're never going to go anywhere with that. Well, that, that was the entrepreneur in me that was bound and determined and believing in the vision. And I said, well, okay, you're not my marketing firm anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're not the right people. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I just finished writing this book. I just launched it last week. So under your brilliance, turn your expertise into profitable online programs. And I'm mentioning it this time because what I did is I took all my years of experience and I made it into this just practical how-to this is what you need to do to get from idea to implementation. There's not a lot of learning theory in there. There's not all that, which it, which 
which I know and I embody, but this is to this, this is how you do it. I mean, that's pretty much what I wanted to make it because people can get, you know, you can get lost in frankly, a lot of things that it's not that, you know, it's not that important. You don't need it all to get to the finish line. You just need just a practical common sense approach to get the work done. Well, the the way I look at that, I, I use the term, does it add value? Mm-hmm. You can you can burn and churn a lot of daylight and a lot of dollars putting things together that you think are, you know, sexy, appealing aspects of, of well, your website, your course, your book, all mm-hmm. those things. But at, at the end of the day, does it add value? And does it really help? get people where you hope you can take them and and if they come to you what help are they looking for and can you deliver on it yeah you know one of the challenges that that people have is they'll go well i'll I'll sell it and then i'll build it or the flip side is i'll get it all built out beautifully and then i'll sell it and they're they're both risky for different reasons I mean, the first one is risky because do you really know what it's going to take for you to build out what you want to build out? Right. And you can be able to get it done on time and deliver what you what you want. The other one is you may create something that nobody wants. Right. <laughs> and you're not going to. So, I've so done you, both. I've done both. <laughs> so you really need to do a little just primary research to test your market and see, hey, it, I mean, run a focus group, do some interviews, run a, a few surveys, take a couple of weeks. Yeah. And just see if you can, you know, glean, well, not if, you will glean some good information about really what, what's your market looking for. Right, right. Yeah, my last foray and my last big company that I had as an entrepreneur, um, sadly, was one that um, it was a great idea on paper, but the market didn't really embrace it. And there were, it, it, it hit some nerves that, nobody anticipated it would hit and what it had to do without going into all the detail it had to do with outsourcing a a piece of a very important process that was worth hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars to the uh, the end users and our piece by outsourcing it made them feel like they were giving up control of whether or not they were going to get their money. Mm. And what we were doing was actually accelerating the success of getting your money instead instead of having a 15-day wait period on uh, to get your money, we cut it down to 3 days. So you would think again on paper that, that's appealing. That's that's pretty cool if you can accelerate everything and make that happen. But somewhere deep buried in that was a psychology that, no, it's, this is too risky. I'm, this is the last hurdle of getting my money, and why am I going to give that to a third-party provider to make happen? And yeah. myself and all my investors and uh, a host of others around the country, it was a little cottage industry that sprung up and kind of permeated an industry and again, it it was a great idea. It wasn't hard to get investors on board for it, but the market deep down in their gut, they didn't want it. <laughs> they mm, just didn't yeah. want it. Yeah. And they and they found ways to sabotage it. Out. If they if they didn't just cancel it outright after early subscription, uh, they would find other ways to 
break it down and not make it work. And it's just all of us that had gone on that journey, and it was about an eight-year period to figure this out. Um, we all ended up in the same place. We companies were closed. know <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it does happen. Well, I'll tell you what, Nancy, it's yeah. uh, clock, clock on the Wall says we need to take a short commercial break. We're going to do that, folks. And when we come back, we're going to get into some of these steps that Nancy alludes to in her book. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and my guest today is Nancy Gear. She is an expert in helping entrepreneurs and uh, coaches and consultants build course material to provide to their audiences. And she wrote a book. It's uh, a newly released, Bundle Your Brilliance. We talked about that a little bit in the first half. But Nancy, you said you've got some steps and common practical ways to get get into this development of your mm-hmm. message. So do you mind sharing a few of those with us? I'd be happy to. We talked about in the first part of the program, the importance of really being clear on who your audience is and what they need. And I think that's the first step in the in the process to really get that that clarity. Then think about them from this perspective of what do they need to know? What will they be able to do? And how are they going to feel when you're, when they complete your course, you kind of have that in mind. I want to get them to this place. This is what they need to know. And this is how I want them to, to feel as part of that process and come up with just a really simple statement. By the end of this course, they will be able to create a marketing plan that So however that might go, it's like, what is that, you know, what's the tangible deliverable going to be so that as you're working through, you don't get distracted by as little shiny objects show up as they do and end up, you know, packing in, oh, that's a good thing. I need to tell them that I really go, no, this course, this is the focus. This is the road that they're on and anything else that comes in, you you know, the filter is, does it belong or is it another program for, uh, for another day? That's a very important part of it. And once you're kind of clear on your audience, then it's then it's time to really look at the at your content. And really, it's as simple as creating an outline. Now, oftentimes when people get they get stuck when they go to create an outline is they want to come up with everything that's going to be the introduction first. I was talking with somebody last night and she goes, I feel like I have to write this introduction first. And I said, No, what you want to do is come up with what are all the building blocks? What is each module or lesson going to be. And you want to write your introduction at the very end, because sometimes if you start with the intro, you'll write yourself into a corner. And people think logically, if I'm going through something, it starts at the introduction, it ends at the conclusion, right? But really, you want to think about what are all the components um, that are going to in between first and have those two things be the the last um, parts that you write. Then once you're clear, you know, you're clear on who they, who your audience is, 
you're clear on what you're going to cover, then you want to think about, well, what's the best way for me to deliver this? And this is the point that I talk with people a lot about. You want to design with intention. So I mentioned that I learned the instructional design methodology, which I apply. But I think there's also something that I've come up with in the last year, which is intentional design. So to really step back and think about what, what's, how, how am I going to do this? Am I, do I want it to be an evergreen program that people will take independently on demand? Do I want to have it be available on via Zoom where I'm going to be live? Is it something that I want to do in person because, yay, we can leave the house again? And to really be clear on what those modalities are from the get-go is important because each one has opportunities and constraints that you need to be mindful of. What I see people doing a lot is they'll say, well, I'll record the webinar and then I'll cut it up and I'll turn it into a course. Mm -hmm. And on the surface, that seems like a really great idea. It seems like a logical flow. But where the breakdown happens is when they're thinking about the webinar, they're not thinking about how is this going to work as an evergreen offering? How am I going to break it up into segments? And then, so they end up with this long, hour-long track, and it's really challenging to cut it. So what what I recommend that people do is think through how long should each segment be in the evergreen or what, what are the topics for the evergreen? And when you do your webinar recording, put in deliberate space, have a pause, smile at the camera, maybe take some questions, pause again, smile at the camera. And what that does is it creates the space for the editor to know where to cut. And you have a better chance of being able to repurpose that recording. Now, there are times that it may not work 100% who hasn't been in a session where somebody goes off mute when they shouldn't and you know, it just kind of blows your recording. But then you can always go back and you can, you can re-record. Yeah. And I think that's even more effective because if you re-record it, you're going to make it tighter. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be as chatty. <laughs> well, and, and, and for the coach or <laughs> consultant that's out there that might have subscribed to one of these programs about learning how to do a, a sales pitch webinar, you know, you, there's a there's a script that seems to be universal. And personally, I hate them. It's the, you know, hey, let me get your attention. And before we get into the meat of it, let me tell you my life story. And here's my rescue dog. And here's all this. And you're, you're, you're going down this uh, kind of sappy emotional hook sort of psychology and and then you finally get around to the message so for clarity's sake i'm I'm assuming we're not talking about those webinars where it's it's all about right. The sales right no this is about this is it's about instructional about delivery instruction. Yes. of a webinar <laughs> yeah okay. okay because I think there you know and I think sadly you know there's so many uh you know webinars they're pitched as master classes. And they're they're really not. They're it, they're, it's a sales event, so right. it's you know, and it's and and even then, um, people are get people. You still have to give people, I think, some value. You can't just be a pitch because right. because people are kind of done with the pitch. Right. right. Well, and that's part of the coaching when people do those programs. 
you know, they try to give away content that does have value, but it's kind of, to me, it's always been presented in a fairly amorphic way. And, and you have to really be on your toes to say, oh, that's something I can use right now. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I can apply that. So, okay. Off that rabbit trail and okay. back to the back to the, <laughs> back to the topic here. at hand. <laughs> um, I love your word intentional. As I told you in the green room, that's one of my favorite words in, in my coaching approach is taking use of the time in the day and be intentional about making every moment count. And that's not as onerous and daunting as it sounds. It's actually a very practical way to to really level up your effectiveness yes. and impact. So t- talk more about that in terms of um, framing this content for these courses. Well, you know, it's if you think what you just said, making every moment count. If I'm taking time out of my busy schedule and I'm ready to learn something new, make every moment count. Deliver the the core content that I need that's going to get me from where I am to where I need to go. And anything that is uh, extraneous, or maybe you think, oh, this is the best story I've ever told. Maybe you don't need to tell every story. You don't need to, you know, there's this desire to, I got to tell you everything that I know. And people try to just pack a lot of um, information into a program and much of it isn't really going to help that learner get to where they need to go. And, and that's oftentimes I think there's the there's the frustration is I'm here because I want to learn a, a new skill and you're cluttering it by putting all this extra information in. So what I suggest people do is you know have your have your main road. That's your course. And if you've got other content, you know, consider it, you know, people use the word bonus. Here's some additional, if you want to learn a little bit more uh, about a particular topic, if they want to go deeper, they can, or if they want to get more examples, they can, but really, you know, guide them through from end to end and give them, you know, it's like, it's need to know versus nice to know. That's like one of my mantras. Is this something people need to know, or is this just nice to know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you tell the guy that uh, comes to you and and has not ever tried to do any of his work on camera or on audio? It's always been in person and and they're even, quite frankly, struggling with the whole remote Zoom kind of environment. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you tell them on on their opportunity to put something together? Well, I think that I think step one is you want to invest in a good microphone. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. people people will forgive the the visual, but they won't forgive the sound. If the sound is bad, people will check out. So really having a good microphone and then thinking about uh, what your setting like, what type of lighting is going to make sense. You don't have to spend a fortune on lights and actually I've got somebody that I've started to bring into my projects that she'll do like a a zoom makeover. So she'll look at somebody setting in their background and then go and then have them make um, some changes so that they come across in the best way possible. The other thing that happens to people, particularly if they're doing a recording is suddenly they lose their, their enthusiasm. They lose their, uh, you know, the most fun engaging person I've ever met. You, You put a microphone in front of them and they're looking at that camera and, and suddenly things go, mm. one I've recommended to people is have 
when you're doing your recording, you got to work really hard to keep your energy up. Right. So maybe ask a few people <clears throat> to be on with you if you're recording on Zoom so that it because somehow like the fact that there's an audience, it it livens it livens things up. It's a lot of work to to keep the energy up when you're just looking at the light. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it is. And I'm I'm guilty of that too. Even in recording the shows, there's some in my old archive I look at and they go, Oh God, were you going to sleep, Doug? What's what's the deal? <laughs> It was a great guess. What was going on? Great guess, but lousy host. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can, and we can forget, you know, that to look at the camera because we want to look at the people right in right. front of us. So when right. you're recording, it's more important that you really focus right. on, right. on the camera. Yeah. Yeah. And just anything you can do to keep your energy up, because I think if you, you want to come across naturally, you want to come across as you, some people can work off of key points and really do a great job. Some people may need a script. And for some of the people that need a script, then the recommendation is be on camera for a, for a short part of the time. And then the rest of it have voiceover slides so that it doesn't, you know, because you when you're listening to someone and there's an image, it's a different kind of a thing, I think, that happens in your brain than if you're actually seeing the person. And if you're seeing them and it's clear that they're reading. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. And I've seen courses done where the person actually has the script in their hand and they're sitting there. Da, 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 da. And the, when I see that, the thought that comes to my mind is, do you really know this stuff? I mean, if you can't talk about it, yeah, just, you know, talk to me, to, you know, explain it to me. What, what, what are you saying? What's this about? If if they can't do that, it's like, are you really the expert I want to be working exactly. with? You know? And even like to take your key points and you know, I like have my wall in front of me. You could I could put up point one, you know, what I want to say, and then I've got it, you know, line of sight, and I can glance and go, here's what's next, here's what next. I'm out on like some people that I know when they were doing doing a speech in person, they'd have things on the floor in front of them. Right. To keep them grounded. Or sometimes there's a, a confidence monitor on the stage that people can see. So now you have right. to think about, well, what do I need to do to prompt myself to stay on track? And you know, if you if you forget something, hey, you get to you can do it again, or you can or it may not have been that important. <laughs> so it's really um it's interesting that I, I you know, I not too long ago, sort of a side thing that I do, a very little bit of it these days is a little bit of comedy. And I auditioned for America's Got Talent. Oh, okay. And I did it virtually. <laughs> and I'm looking at the backgrounds of the people. And this is, you know, early in COVID, COVID years, which felt like dog years. But there were people I thought, you know, you're auditioning to be on TV. You might want to make your bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and still, I'm astounded still in different business meetings the backgrounds that people have, they're just, that, that, you know, there's, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, let me shift gears a little bit. There is sure. a thought uh, I want to dwell on. So I am thinking about my small business owners who have actually matured and grown their business up to a certain level and they're trying to grow it further but a big part of that is bringing on more staff and doing some mm. training of that staff yes. to know the core elements of the business 
So a lot of times what I run into is the owner who has attempted to build an archive of um, uh, Loom-type videos where they've recorded a process. They've said, all right, here's here's the way we do our uh, billing, you know, and so here's the screen, here's the step, here's the thing, here's blah, blah, blah. And they've got this pretty nice archive developed, but it doesn't have a lot of cohesion. It's, it's just a... Mm -hmm. It's just an online archive of a whole lot of content that's not necessarily woven together. It's technically probably exactly what they want done. Any any words of wisdom on how to kind of make that more effective for those new employees that are coming sure. in? Well, well, I think it's great that people have an archive like that. And one way to look at it is to say this can be a resource after people have been trained and they're on the job and they're like, what was that? What was that? How do we do billing again? And they can go and they can find it. So you need to have it organized and searchable for people if they have a question in the moment. But the other part of it is, so when you want to bring them on board and you want to teach them the end-to-end -end process, that's where you want to, you know, you can take all of that content and look at it and say, what's the, what's the logical flow? So you, I always look at, so you look at the process and you put the process together end-to-end -end, and then you think, okay, so here's, here's part one of the process. I'm going to generate an invoice and then you, you show people how to do it. And then you give them a chance to practice it in a way that's safe. That's not going to, you know, have send somebody a bill that they, that they shouldn't, but Give right. them a place, you know, give them a safe place to, to, to practice. And then you take them into the next topic. So it's really, you know, in, in a lot of teaching people process, it's demonstration and then practice. So the key is to take all of that footage and look at how to put it together and think, well, can we keep these Loom videos as they are? Or do we need to redo them so that we can make more of a, of a cohesive flow? Because off, what's often what's missing is you, people have got something they can watch it and they can go, okay, I see how to do that. But if you don't give them an opportunity to practice or give them feedback, that's where the breakdown usually occurs yeah. is in, in giving people an opportunity to practice. And the feedback is even more important. So that they kind of, as they're going along, they build confidence that they are learning how to do, do the job, um, do the job correctly. Yeah. <clears throat> well, great. Well, Nancy, I think we need to wrap this up. I really appreciate you sitting in and sharing all this with us. Uh, tell folks how they can best get in touch with you if they're looking for more information. Well, the best place to find me is to go to my website, which is nancygeary.com. And Geary is G-I-E-R-E. -E. And you can uh, find my email from there. My email, though, is pretty easy. It's nancy at nancygeary.com. So I'm easy to find that way. And if, um, and, and if they're interested in the, the book that just got released, you can just find it on Amazon. Just search for Bundle Your Brilliance. You'll find me between the bundles for toothpaste and other things. <laughs> <laughs> Other commodities. Other commodities that are packaged. Other sundry items. I was between I was between toothpaste and Q tips last week. I don't know what's going on. Oh well, okay. <laughs> well there you and go. Actually, so. Well, we will have all that information in the show notes, folks, the, the website and the links. And again, one last time, Nancy, thanks so much. Really oh, it's my pleasure. It. 
And this is the place in the show, folks, where I usually tell you, uh, don't forget, if you're listening on your favorite streaming service, we do have a video version of this episode, among all the others we've shot. It's over on YouTube at a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, subscribe, hit the bell. You'll get notices of our upcoming episodes. I like to remind everybody we are dropping shows three times a week, so we've got a whole lot of content coming at you. Got some great guests in the queue and in the pipe for 2023. So uh, hang with us, take a listen. And above all, I want to thank you for spending this time with us. Hope to see you again real soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.